On today's episode, we have election results, economics that won't bore you to death, and a little game I like to call, what would happen if I did this? Let's go! Yes, hello one, hello all, and welcome to the Politics Mostly Podcast. I am your host, Peter Ramirez. And yes, you can stop emailing me. I am back like the prodigal son. I have returned. Thank you for all the warm wishes. Been very busy. Um, Let's get right into it today. And I want to start off with some good news. We had election here, uh, elections here stateside. I have to specify stateside because for reasons I'm unaware of, uh, the podcast is quite popular in France. So shout out to my French listeners. Um, And the narrative was this huge, unexpected red wave, right? Red wave meaning Republicans did very well. Um, Was there a red wave? So Virginia, historically a red state, went red by two points. Two fucking points. Okay? Youngkin, the Republican governor-elect of Virginia, has a 17-year-old kid who tried twice to vote illegally in Fairfax County. Fraud. Stolen election. Rigged. (laughs) Um, You know, there was no... There were no reports of a rigged election um, in Virginia... In other parts of the country where Republicans did well. Isn't that weird? Don't you think that's weird? That Republicans win, there's no fraud, but when they lose, there's fraud? Anyone, like, do we think that's related? (laughs) Or do we think that's totally an accident? You know what? I don't like the results in Virginia, so I'm just going to say, without any evidence, that there was fraud and that McAuliffe should have won, right? I mean, it's it's great. I remember I used to have, um, somebody used to send me links in the lead up to the 2020 election. Uh, And they're always from like, (laughs) like Cato Institute or like Murdoch owned newspapers. And they're always like, you know, like, oh, according to anonymous sources, this, that. And I always wanted to just like assume the story was true and just, you know, fight like the have an argument, debate, discussion, whatever about like what the actual article was talking about. But it's become so easy to just dismiss things as fake news. I was like, ah, that was from Cato Institute. I'm not even going to talk about it. Fake news, right? Fake. Oh, Murdoch, Wall Street Journal editorial board. Ah, fake news. And it was just so like tr- the Trump era has made winning political discussions. It, it's never acquired fewer brain cells. <laughs> so, yeah, um, there was fraud in Virginia. I'll just go ahead and say that. Why? Was there evidence? No, I just don't like the results. So there was fraud. It was rigged. It was stolen. Um, and yeah, his own son tried to vote twice illegally. I think that's uh, a class E felony, seven years minimum. He did it twice. So yeah, 14 years in jail. I'm sure that's going to (laughs) happen. And two fucking points. Oh my God. Well, but first of all, imagine if Hunter Biden tried to vote twice illegally. Oh my God. 24 seven news coverage. Um, two fucking points. Bush, remember him, carried Virginia. Let me get this straight. Looking at my notes, eight points. Bush won Virginia by eight points. If Virginia is so blue, how did Bush win it twice? How did Hillary Clinton, more recently, 
get less than 50% in Virginia. Less than 50%. How is it so fucking blue? And I'm supposed to praise the GOP for eking out a two-point victory when they had the money advantage when 2000. Uh, 21 is probably the best year for Republicans since like 2010. And before that, sometime like in the 1990s, maybe they should have won this thing by double digits. What are they doing? Oh, my gosh. And by the way, if you, <laughs> I wasn't really following this closely. Uh, politics has taken a little bit of a backseat for me uh, this past year as I was dealing with some other stuff. Um but I was following this a little bit late, and like every ad the Republican governor elect in um, Virginia ran was about like critical race theory in schools. <laughs> Republicans run on imaginary issues because they can't run on anything real, right? That's their playbook. Right? Like, what what if Biden was running today? He'd run on the jobs numbers. He'd run on the infrastructure. The coronavirus relief bill, getting out of Afghanistan, right? Like, think, and now look, maybe you're listening to this and you don't like any of those things. Okay, that's fair. But they're things. They're things that existed in reality that happened in the, in the realm of nature that we live in. Gee, did you guys see that in Texas, some districts aren't even teaching Jim Crow anymore? Oh, my God. Radical theory about history. Let's teach it as it happened. How about that? Including, yes, Republicans, the bad parts of history. Because that also happened, okay? So, yeah, I'm reading, I'm reading like, Twitter and shit. Um, they're talking about this election. Oh, red wave this, red wave that. I, I was like, they didn't even call Virginia right away because it was so close. And they were like, oh, it was unexpected. Uh, they were running poll-wise neck and neck. And he won by two points, which is within the margin of error. So who, who didn't see this coming? Where was the surprise? The only surprise I had was they didn't win it by more. And what the fuck happened in New Jersey? Some supposed moderate, moderate being in quotes in my notes here, a businessman who distanced himself from Trump with a war chest of a nice $12.5 million, thanks Republican Governors Association, couldn't even unseat Democrat Phil Murphy, who was on camera talking about how taxes are too high. <laughs> why couldn't why could the GOP beat him? Why not? Oh my oh, New Jersey is blue. If New Jersey is so fucking blue, then why was Chris Christie the governor of New Jersey my whole fucking life? My whole life a Republican ran New Jersey. And now the GOP against an incumbent with low numbers, outraising him $12.5 million in a political year, in a political environment that they have not seen in at least a decade, maybe more, and they couldn't even unseat him. Oh, unexpected red wave. Yeah, unexpectedly poor performance on the GOP based on how they should have done given the political dynamics in the country. How about that? Oh, gosh, the media. Oh, my God, red wave this, red wave that. I'm looking at these numbers and it's like, where was this unexpected? This was exactly what was expected. Do you know what? Do you know what a real wave election looks like? How about a Alabama 2017? One of the reddest states in the country voting for Doug Jones statewide to be one of their two senators. Alabama is way redder than New Jersey is blue. 
okay? The story here, folks, isn't that Democrats had a good night, because they didn't. It's just that Republicans didn't have some crazy historic night. If anything, they performed worse than they should have. If Republicans perform this way next year, they'll take the House and Senate, which they should. Gerrymandering alone will get them halfway there. Thank you, census. But this wasn't anything out of the ordinary. It wasn't a wave election. Right? Maybe it was a ripple election. A little, small ripple. Two points in Virginia, and they couldn't even take New Jersey. That's not a wave, folks. That is a ripple. Okay, so now I want to talk a little bit about economic data points and how they fuel political talking points. And yes, that sounds boring, uh, but I promise you it's very interesting. Okay, so inflation. Let's talk about inflation for a second. Um, (laughs) As I say inflation, half of you turn off the podcast. Um, Inflation at the end of the Trump era was about 1.5%. Okay, and these numbers are true because I understand that there is the Internet that can be fact checked. Okay. So inflation at the end of the Trump era was about 1.5% when he left office, right? It currently sits at about 5.4%. So we're looking at about a 4% increase in inflation, okay? That's the number we have to remember here, 4%. Inflation, 4%, okay. Now, you should hear the type of coverage this inflation story gets. We get all the hits. Inflation is a tax on the middle class. Right? We get news stories of like little kids crying that Legos cost five more dollars. I mean, just like story after story, it's they they just recycle the hits, right? They just recycle the hits. So let's talk about inflation for a second, okay? Remember, four points, right? That's the difference between Trump and Biden, four points. People say inflation has never been this high. Okay, so that's a lie, okay? It's like people say things that aren't true. And that can't be verified on the internet in like three fucking seconds, okay? Decades-wise, let's look at decades. The 1910s averaged 9.8% inflation. 1940s averaged 4.9% inflation. The 1970s averaged 7.3%. 1980s, excuse me, averaged 5.8%, okay? So the 1910s, the 1940s, the 1970s, the 1980s, all averaged, in some cases, almost three times as much inflation as we have right now. So the next time someone says, oh, inflation has never been this high, that's just false. That's just false. For four decades, it's been false. Not one year, not two years, four decades, okay? Gosh, this is getting me all worked up. This is this is therapeutic for me. Thank you for listening. <laughs> and side note, by the way, are we totally certain that no inflation is inherently good? Because I'm looking at this chart here, inflation by decade, Google it if you'd like, and I'm looking here and the, the lowest inflation point, actually there was negative inflation, as in the price of goods went down 1.8%, was the 1930s. That was when we had the least inflation, 1930s. To my Politics Mostly podcast listeners, you history buffs you, was good shit happening in the 1930s? (laughs) So maybe inflation, at least a little bit, isn't the worst thing. 
So there's inflation and the supply chain issue, right? These are the two economic data points that I see constantly. When I'm in the gym, Fox News is on, on mute in the corner, and I'm always looking at the chirons, right? Every single day, inflation, supply chain, inflation, supply chain. So I just talked about inflation, how historically it isn't even that high. And let's talk about the supply chain issue for a second. Now, yes, some of you may know I was valedictorian in political science back in my uni days, but I must tell you, economic logistics, macroeconomics, large data sets, these aren't necessarily my intellectual strengths, but um, I have what the, uh, the young kids call some math phobia. <laughs> so I read for a few days about the supply chain issue, not as a cranky liberal, looking for reasons to blame non-Democrats for this, no. But as a generally curious person looking to learn something about a fairly complicated trend, right? Generally curious, a good faith look at the supply chain issue. Okay? I read stuff from the right, stuff from the left, wonky stuff, and like 95% of the stuff I read essentially blamed two things for the supply chain shortages. The COVID-19 pandemic, and labor shortages, okay? The COVID-19 pandemic, is Joe Biden to blame for that? Seriously, is he to blame for that? COVID-19, where does the 19 come from? 2019. Was Joe Biden the president in 2019? And labor shortages. Another way to phrase that there are literally so many jobs available and there are more jobs than people willing to work. <laughs> I mean, that is what a labor shortage is. So many jobs, not enough people to fill them. So that's the drumbeat on the right. They're worried about inflation, even though by historic measurements, it's lower. And supply chains, which are caused by two factors having nothing to do with the president. But there are other economic data points as well. This is what Democrats always do poorly. They allow the right, they allow Fox News, the right-wing ecosystem to set the talking points that Democrats then go on defense. They want to talk about the supply chain and inflation. And frankly, I'm partly to blame. I just defended those two things. <laughs> but what about the other economic data sets out there right now? The other economic data points? You know, mysteriously, I'm not hearing much about them from Fox News. Why is that? Jobs report out last month, 531 thousand new jobs added, crushing the estimate. The unemployment rate now hovers at 4.6%, a new low in the pandemic. Wages are up 0.4% on the month, 5% year to date. So wage growth is exceeding inflation. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. I don't hear that much about that on the media circuit. Legos cost five more dollars. Yeah, but you're making seven more dollars than you were last year. On election night, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, I'm going to sound very Republican here. I'm going to equate the Dow Jones with the economy writ large. <laughs> On election night, the Dow Jones was 28,000. 2020 election night, right? 28,000. A year later, we are at 36,500. An increase of 8,500 points in one year. So, let's recap. Unemployment is down, wages are up, and my 401k is soaring. 
Oh, but there are ships, and they're, uh, they're stuck in the ports. How am I going to buy my Christmas tchotchkes? Oh, but unemployment is down. Wages are up, and the market is soaring. Oh, but, uh, uh, last week I went to the store. I bought a loaf of bread, and it was 17 cents more than the last time. But you're making 89 cents more than you were last year. Folks, if you're a Republican, you're not going to be happy with the economy. What if, let's play a little game here. I'm about to play another game after the break, which I find amusing. Let's play a little game of what if. What if the inflation percent was 0%, right? What if there were no ships waiting in the port, right? Let's Okay, so there's some inflation, there's some supply chain stuff. Let's say, hypothetically, none exist. What would the right talk about? They would just talk about something else. It would be the debt. It would be something even more esoteric, like trade deficits. It would be farm wages, right? There are hundreds of economic data points, and there will always be like a dozen that aren't ideal, right? If not more. So if you're in the political minority in the country, you will always have ammo to attack the opposite political party, the incumbent party, for economic data sets. Because there are always, always economic data points. But just think about the big ones. The market is soaring. Jobs through the roof. Wages through the roof. Okay? I mean, guys, we're still in the middle of recovering from a pandemic, and the unemployment rate is 4.5%. Are you kidding me? Wages, 5% growth in one year. Are you kidding? 8,500 points on the Dow Jones? And we're talking about fucking ships in the poor? Are you kidding me? There is an insatiable element to the political minority in this country. An insatiable element that will never be happy unless they're in power. Okay? So, just remember, wages are up. Unemployment is down. And the market is cooking. All right. One last hypothetical game I want to play with you guys before I try to get out of here in, you know, 20 minutes or less of the total podcast time um, is a game called What Would Happen If I Did This? Okay. And I like to play this time from I like to play this game from time to time because politics is crazy. <laughs> politics is fucking nuts especially American politics. Very weird, right? So Paul Gosser, Gosser, um, don't care enough about him to look up how to pronounce his name. He is like the congressman from like the Arizona desert, right? Like one of the lowest, least densely populated congressional districts. Um, I guess he represents like Cobra Snakes or something. Um, he was actually famous for, he has like seven brothers and sisters, <laughs> and last time there was an election, they all recorded attack ads against him, and it wasn't like, oh, we don't like his views on like taxes, it was all like, oh, he's a piece of shit. <laughs> they just like attacked him personally for being like a complete asshole. Um, and there is definitely a movement on the right to be like the most... Uh, trolly, I guess you can say. Like, all the money, like, anytime Marjorie Taylor Greene gets, like, slapped with a fine for not wearing a mask, like, Gates and Ghosts, or, like, all these people have to one-up her because it's all about money. 
and like airtime on Fox News, right? You got to prove you're pure to the ideological right. You got to rake in that fundraising money. And so they, they're just constantly one-upping each other with dumb shit. Dumb shit. None of this is even... <laughs> none of this is politics, right? Because to the right, everything's a culture war. Everything is they're coming for your guns, your religion, your way of life. They're, we're battling for America. Like, no, we're trying to pass infrastructure. Um, so Paul Goser, right, Arizona guy, he tweeted a video. Um, I did see it briefly. It has since been taken down. It actually took a surprisingly a long time for it to be taken down based on, you know, violating every Twitter rule. Um, and in the video, he was like attacking. It was like an, an animated video. He was attacking Joe Biden. There were like swords and he killed uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, the Democratic uh, congresswoman from Queens in the Bronx. Um, so, you know, I don't really get triggered. Despite having a political podcast, I don't really get triggered by pretty much anything. I think the last time I was triggered was <laughs> when the economic stimulus checks were delayed three days because Trump wanted to add his signature to the checks in an election season because I was trying to pay some bills <laughs> and it was very obviously like politicizing the, the uh, IRS and it was just like it was a perfect encapsulation of like any, everything that was wrong with Trump like delaying something that benefits regular people uh, vanity um, politicizing things that normally aren't political uh, it, was, it was like everything in one and it affected how much money I had so I was like very upset by that but that was probably the last time I was like actually triggered I just you know I kind of look at politics as like a spectator right I don't really let it affect me one way or the other I mean, of course, you know, I root for people that have the same uh, politics as me that are going to write laws that I would agree with, of course. And, you know, obviously I like politics enough to do a podcast about it, to write about it. But it's not like the end all be all, right? Um, so this, this video was crazy, right? And it did not trigger me. But I remember looking at it and being like, what? The? My first thought was, what would happen if I did this? Right. What would happen if I did this? Because, you know, I work in an office. I have coworkers. I don't even look at my coworkers and be like, that's a nice blouse today, Marie. <laughs> because I don't want like a letter from HR saying I was like, you know, I, you know, I'm very careful with things I say uh, professionally. And the fact that you tweeted a video of yourself killing a coworker. My first thought wasn't like, oh, let me clutch my pearls, look at it, the state of American politics. My first thought was, what would happen if Peter Ramirez did this at work? What would happen if I killed my coworker in a weird fantasy video thing? And I can't tell you exactly what would happen because I never did this, nor would I ever do this, because I have more than 17 brain cells. But I can tell you, loyal listeners, that if I did do this, if I did tweet a weird, like, and it had like erotic undertones, it was very, very odd. If I tweeted this video of me killing a coworker, I can tell you something would happen. Something. 
Would I be fired? I don't know. Would I be fined? Would I have to write a letter? Would I have to apologize? Something would happen. And that's the difference between regular jobs and political jobs. And I want to point out one more thing. One more thing, because this is more of a trend on the right, in, at least in America, probably in the world, where his response to this anime sexual uh, murder video of like a coworker beyond be to me, it's not like, Oh, is this dangerous? Is this, like, it's just weird. Like you're weird, man. You're weird. <laughs> um, he then followed up with a tweet about a meme saying it was a joke. So this is kind of what the right does, right? They, they push the boundaries of like what should be acceptable, uh, acceptable in like a rational, you know, two party democratic system. And then when they go a little too far, they go, oh, it was a joke. I was just joking, right? This always happens. Or like, oh, I don't take that seriously. You know, it's just rhetoric, blah, blah, blah. You know, you can call the media the enemy of the people. But then certain people start mailing bombs to journalists, right? And you can say the election was stolen and then wink and be like, you know, there's no evidence of it. But it was stolen. And then things like January 6th happen, okay? So I prefer my jokes to be A, funny, which unfortunately these aren't, (laughs) and B, um, not resulting in like bad things for society writ large. And if you're so confident the original video was normal, then don't be like it was a joke. Own it. Own it. Saying shit was a joke is a way to get out of it. Own it, right? Personal responsibility. Isn't this what the right's all about? Own it. You tweeted a weird video of killing your coworker. Own it. Don't say it was a joke. Own it. You did that. You're a grown-ass man. You're like 70 years old. You barely have hair. Own it. I tweeted out this video because I have a weird sense of humor. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's that's the thing on the right we have to keep an eye on. Of like, I, And once again, everyone wants to be like, oh, two sides, two sides. I don't see this on the left. I really don't. Feel free to email me if you have examples. Um, I'm sure my email is on the internet. Uh... I don't see the left pushing what is acceptable in a rational, normal society. Uh, and then when they get a little too out in front of their skis, just saying, oh, it was a joke. It was a joke, right? Do we, do we remember, who was that congresswoman who said, uh, impeach the motherfucker in relation to Trump? <laughs> Uh, I, I'm her name, uh, uh, fuck one of the squad people. She's from Michigan, I believe. And remember that was like a two week tour of like apologizing and Fox news is the American political establishment tool, you know, impeach the motherfucker. Now we have people tweeting like murder rape fantasies about coworkers. And it's like, like who's no one's even talking about this. The right is so fucking weird. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, Democrats pass an infrastructure bill uh, Over a trillion dollars It's going to build a lot of shit It's going to help a lot of people And Republicans are doing this So that's all I have to know about the two-party system Thank you everybody for listening I didn't keep it under 20, but I did keep it under 30 So you're welcome And I will see everybody next time Thanks so much, guys